Where's that dust coming from? Still finding debris after vacuuming? Eufy X10 Pro Omni Robot Vacuum has 8,000 PA of powerful suction to remove debris deep in carpets. And it's totally hands-free. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com. That's E-U-F-Y.com and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. Subtle results. Still you, but with fewer lines. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia Gravis or Lambert Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. Welcome to Tea and Murder, an Agatha Christie podcast. I'm your host, Rebecca Tundy Norman. We're part book club, part interview show, and all Agatha Christie. I am so excited to have here with me today Christian Hustel. Christian is working as a nurse supervisor in Copenhagen. He's been active most of his life in theatrical activities on and off stage, both in the Philippines and here in Copenhagen. He is currently directing the Mousetrap for Copenhagen Theater Circle. Welcome, Christian. Thanks. Nice to have you here. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. <laughs> oh, good. So, Kristen, tell me a little bit about whether or not you have a history with Agatha Christie's work outside of what you're doing with The Mousetrap right now. Well, I mean, I grew up with the Poirot movies. You did. Cool. I've always, I've, I've been a big fan of Poirot. And uh, yeah, we recently just watched A Haunting in Venice, um, which was out like last week. And it... I don't know. I I I really liked it because it was. Um, it's not like a reboot of one of the older movies. It's like something totally new. And and uh, Kenneth Branagh added a couple of new elements. So um, yeah. Uh, so Poirot and Miss Marple. Those two things I've grown up with. That's great. And so, did you watch those like as a kid? Yeah. 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 Um, we, my, my dad and my mom and my sister were, were also fans of it. So yeah, we, I watched as a kid and, you know, I still watch the old movies again because, you mm-hmm. know, I, I can't get enough of it. And, you know, it, it's inspiring. Um, I, I've, I've always been a big fan of murder mysteries. You have. And are there other types of murder mysteries that you enjoy? Well, yeah, especially those that uh, incorporate comedy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, um I, I I love um I love guessing who uh, tr- like trying to figure out who the murderer is. Mm. Um and when it comes to comedy, I mean, 
you can get away with anything. I mean, that's I think that's one of the big differences with 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 comedic murder mysteries like Clue yes. compared to uh, The Mousetrap. It's uh, like two different areas. That's true. Clue yeah. is actually my favorite film of all time. So I am like 100% on board. I love the movie Clue. Do you know that it's also made into a stage play? Yes, of course. <laughs> yeah. yeah okay. I've never okay. seen the play. I've never seen the play, but I, I love the movie. And it's just, uh, for me, it's um, like the reaction comedy of that film yeah. is, I think, unsurpassed in anything I've ever seen. It's so funny. Yeah, and it's not it's not uh, well known here in Denmark, which really? which I find weird because they play we play Cluedo here. That's right. Yeah, um, but yeah. So okay, so you're a murder mystery fan in general, and does that extend to books or are mostly kind of film and television? Um, I've, I've ooh, well, I have to admit I've never been much of of an avid book reader. Mm. Um, I've been I like the visual arts a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, also, because you know, being in the in the nursing industry, I had enough books to read, so I didn't sure. read anything else on top of that. If I had to read something, it was I was mostly into fantasy fiction, okay, um, or spy stuff, um, like the John Clancy novels, um, or Tom Clancy, not John Clancy. I'm, I'm mixing two names now. <laughs> Tom Clancy novels. Yeah. Um, I like um, Peter Benchley novels, Mike Crick novels. Those are the ones that I really like, but not really the murder mysteries. Got it. So kind of the visual arts, and obviously that's why you went into theater. Mm-hmm. Um, and you are now directing The Mousetrap for Copenhagen Theater Circle. Can you tell us a little bit about the theater itself, like Copenhagen Theater Circle, like what it is, what they do? Mm-hmm. Um, well, it is actually a very old theater group here in Copenhagen. It is more than 50 years old. Um, it has been producing English-speaking theater for for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, it has, of course, evolved since then, uh, taking on more types of shows, um, such as the British pantomimes, musicals, stage plays. And of course, we also do our like monthly play readings and uh, monthly open stage events um, mm-hmm. to give like more benefits to the membership and you know to it's also a great place for expats to meet i mean i'm i'm half danish myself so mm-hmm. but seeing that i grew up in the philippines so i'm i'm kind of half expat if you think about it <laughs> so it, it was it was a great great way to meet other people um but also because i'd grown up with with the english language so for mm-hmm. me the um, english language in theater works best for me than danish language That's okay just how I see it. <laughs> cool. And you're directing The Mousetrap. Can you tell me a little bit about your journey to becoming a director? Like what is, you said you were both on and off stage. So what's been your journey with theater? Well, well, when we were, when, when I was in school, I mean, of course we, everyone has to do the lovely school productions, um, both on and off stage. And, you know, I've, it's, I think like everyone else, I mean, we like the fame, we like having the spotlight and stuff, and then getting into community theater, um, that 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 um, that was the same thing. But then you know, I, I guess getting older, I figured out that I actually like teaching people what I knew, like, and I, I love seeing people develop on stage. And one of the things I really love about directing is is during the show nights because I'm there usually all nights um, watching them every single evening put even uh, more details into their performances mm. and if the audience loves it then then i then i can like stay at the back and say yes i'm happy 
Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't, I, for me, I don't feel like the need to be on stage anymore. I do it once in a while, but I like, I prefer directing. I really like the aspect of, of, of developing people's talents and bringing them to, to a place hmm. um, of, of joy. That's so great. And do you always direct English language theater or have you done other languages as well? I've never done Danish language. No, okay. that's uh, I probably even wouldn't try. Um, I, I, I prefer English language because that's what I grew up with. And yeah. it's, it's, um, it's, I'd say it's easier for me to interpret stuff if it's in English. Um, yeah. And in terms of being a director, can you tell me a little bit about like the tasks of a theater director? Like, are you casting the show, for example? Are you like finding where to actually stage the production? Like how involved are you in kind of the logistical element of the show? I guess it's different from every theater company, but, mm -hmm. but, but me per se, I mean, I, I want to be involved in every step and that's because it's all about the vision. Mm -hmm. If, if my vision is clear, then I have to have the right place. I have to have the right people involved both on and off stage. Um, I have to, I'm, I'm involved in every step. Like just today, my production manager sent me some pictures. Is this the prop that you're looking for? I'm like, yes, because, because they know that I look into specifics. I look into details mm -hmm. and my actors know that as well, that if there's anything that I focus on or can give feedback on it's details <laughs> on performances. So it's, um, I prefer to involve myself. Um, I wouldn't call myself a micromanager, but you know, it is, I have also tried being in productions, which I've directed, uh, not not with the Copenhagen Theatre Circle, wherein, like, this is my vision. And then, of course, the, the set is totally different. The costumes are totally different. I'm like, I, I can't do that. Mm. And also because it, end, the, the, it ends up um, falling back on me and uh, mm. me that, you know, get, that gets, um, as I like to say, hang for it, <laughs> in lack of a better word. I mean, it makes sense. At a certain point, if you're the director, right, and what is being produced is not what you want, um, where does the direction come in? You know, you, you have to feel like it was your kind of your creation in a way. Otherwise, what's the point? Exactly. Also, because it, it, it is everyone. I mean, all the people involved are volunteers. So, you know, a little right. guidance, even though it takes more energy, it, it's also fine because, you know, it. It also helps me figure out like how far I can push people and um, what else I can also develop with the people off stage. Right. Um, um, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, you're a, you're a nurse. You said a nurse supervisor, like kind yeah. of during the day. And what does that entail? The same thing. <laughs> the same thing. You're you're asking um, about props. <laughs> Well, yeah, this would just be like catheters or yeah, the nurse props. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I have a staff of uh, I have a staff of seventy people. Under wow! Me, so it is all about developing and you know coordinating, planning. Yeah. The same thing as as with being a director, right? And making sure that we're all in in tune with the common vision or common goal. Right. So taking kind of your nurse supervisor skills and having it be more of a creative outlet is the way you use direct, like theater direction. Yeah. That's yeah. so cool. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like last year I, because, because of COVID I was, I was supposed to like stage a, a British pantomime that got closed down. Mm -hmm. um, and then we did a theater concert that also got closed down. And finally we were able to in 2022, to the beginning of that, we were able to put up Snow White the Panto, 
um, British pantomime, as we call it. Um, and after that, I just like needed a break, a whole year without doing anything at all um, involving theater. And I got bored <laughs> because I don't have that creative outlet. Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine there's when I'm sure when you're doing a show, it's extremely exhausting. But when you're not doing it, it's like, where does that energy go? Yeah, I mean, a lot of my <laughs> friends in the theater always describe me as like, yeah, Christian, he's always the one looking for something to stress about. <laughs> I can totally relate. Um, so The <laughs> Mousetrap is the longest running show of all time, right? Mm -hmm. What does undertaking a production of a show like that mean to you as a director? Um. Well, if I have to be honest, the mousetrap was my first choice. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry to say it wasn't my first choice. I haven't even seen the mousetrap. So, you know, it's a, yeah, it, you know, I, I'm really giving a lot of uh, facts now. And no, my first choice was actually Murder on the Orient Express. Okay, well, um, fair it, enough. It's because it's Poirot. That's what I grew up with, yeah. right? But I couldn't get the rights for it. So, okay. um and I, and I wanted to do something Agatha Christie, so that's why I chose The Mousetrap. And mm -hmm. uh, I've never seen it. I just read the script and like, hey, cool, this one would be fun to do. Yeah. Um, um, and and I think, you know, it, it adds a lot of pressure because, you know, it, we had almost 60 people sign up for audition. I think over half of these people have seen The Mousetrap and I haven't seen it. But, you know, it's also it's also good. That's also what I told the cast. It's good because then I come with a fresh perspective. Mm -hmm. I haven't seen YouTube videos or anything. I've like, I don't like watching things for references. I prefer figuring it out up in my head how I want it to look. Mm -hmm. um, also because, you know, there's there can be a bit. I don't want I don't want to be biased. Mm -hmm. I want it to be my own fresh production because, you know, it, it, it's also like um, it gives me um, it, it's a creative challenge. Do you think you will go see a staging of it in London, maybe at the West End after the production? I will. And I probably say, hey, mine's better. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I always tend to do that. No, I, I, I mean, I, of course, want to watch it. I want to watch it. Yeah, that would be really fun. And so why in particular did you want to do an Agatha Christie just because of your love of Poirot? And well, the thing is, in 2019... I did Baskerville, a Sherlock Holmes mystery, mm -hmm. and it's a murder mystery, but it it's a comedy murder mystery, which like involved uh, different elements of the 39 steps and Monty Python. And I'm also a big fan of that. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking like, I want to do something serious mm -hmm. this time, like a little bit more serious. And that's why I, I leaned over to Murder on the Orient Express, because the way the script was written, it was partly comedy in itself. Um, um um, and then since I couldn't get it, so I got I got I got to uh, choosing the mousetrap instead. I mean, there's no um, there's no specific reason, but it is just because I love Agatha Christie. I love I love I love the um, the way she writes. And there is actually a quote that I would like to share with you guys. I would love to hear and that. It's been my, like my my mantra throughout the whole directing process. Crime is terribly revealing. Try and vary your methods as you will. Your tastes, your habits. Your attitude of mind and your soul is revealed by your actions. So throughout the whole uh, rehearsal process, it's all about been dropping breadcrumbs, but confusing breadcrumbs. Mm -hmm. and, and, and and that has been like one of the uh, the most enjoyable parts for me um, because 
like I keep on telling the cast, it's either you make it or you break it when you're dropping the breadcrumbs. I mean, it's like being obvious, but then again, not being too obvious. Mm. It's like those things. So we've been working a lot with body languages, with their tones of voice, with their inflection patterns. Mm. And and that's and that's the beauty of Agatha Christie. I mean, it's it's always as as I always say, it's always the person you least expect it to be. I mean, I didn't even guess who the killer was in the no it's 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 a real and i'm just like okay i did i did did not see that coming (laughs) yeah it's a real twist ending it's not just a whodunit it's a twist um Mm. do you plan at the end of the show to do the traditional please don't spoil this for other audiences oh yes okay oh yes (laughs) great and we've already been rehearsing it with the bows so that's so fun Amazing. So I am going to do a little historical note about the mousetrap, and then we Mm -hmm. are going to dive into the more kind of book club or play club, I guess, uh, section Mm -hmm. of the podcast. So the mousetrap is a play that premiered at the Theodore Royale in Nottingham in 1952 with a pre-London run through November, which was about a, a month long of that same year. Um, when it began showing at the Ambassadors Theatre in London's West End. And it continuously ran until the COVID-19 pandemic forced it to close in March of 2020 and then started up again in May 2021. It is the longest running play of all time, as we've said before. Uh, The Mousetrap is based on a short story called Three Blind Mice, which itself was based on a short radio play by Christie. Um, Three Blind Mice, the short story, was published as part of the collection Three Blind Mice and Other Stories in the U.S. in 1950. It actually has not been published in the U.K. due to Christie's request that it not be published while the play ran. Uh, She obviously did not expect the play to run uh, forever. Um, (laughs) The story is based on a real-life incident in 1945 in which a child named Dennis O'Neill was killed at the hands of his foster parents in Shropshire. He had a brother who testified to their treatment named Terry O'Neill. And the case actually contributed to a pretty significant overhaul of the British foster care system, including that children could not be fostered by those with criminal convictions. Um, The original cast included Richard Attenborough, yes, that Richard Attenborough, as Detective Sergeant Trotter, but overall Christie and the play itself are what get top billing rather than the actors who switch over every year. Um, There have been some star-filled productions, including the 25,000th performance in 2012, which included Patrick Stewart, Julie Walters, and Hugh Bonneville. Um, Critical reception when the piece premiered was overall pretty middling without any expectation that the play would take off in the way that it did. And I don't think Christie did either. In fact, she was quoted as saying that she expected it to run for about eight months. Um, The end of every performance, as we talked about, requests that the audience members do not reveal the killer to others. And um, the 2022 film, See How They Run, starring Sam Rockwell and Saoirse Ronan, featured the um, 100th staging of The Mousetrap and built a kind of whodunit around the writers, actors, and directors of the play. And the character of Agatha Christie herself even makes a very small appearance. So I don't know if you've seen that film, but it's, um, I don't know if I'd recommend it, but it's quite fun and sweet in, in its way. Um, so that is a little note about the mousetrap. Christian, will you give us a one minute or so synopsis of the mousetrap? Yeah, sure. And I'll request well, that you don't give spoilers as, as we've been asked. Oh, don't by worry. Christian I, have, to do. <laughs> I, have, I am prepared. Fantastic. <laughs> so with an, with an unexpected series of events and eccentric characters, Agatha Christie's The Mousetraps trans, strands seven strangers at Monksville Manor guesthouse during a blizzard. But a police sergeant unexpectedly arrives, worried that a murderer at large is among the guests of the manor. Before he can investigate, one of the guests is killed, 
starting an investigation into the lives and histories of everyone there. One of them is the killer, and another one of them may be next. Will the police be able to solve the case before another mouse falls? Wow, that was very good. Thank you. <laughs> I love your synopsis. Um, that was exactly right and perfect. Um, as we've already said, this is the longest running play of all time. We've said that a few times. Um, what is it about the mousetrap that you think keeps audiences coming back? I mean, it didn't really get a great, great critical reception, as I said in the historical note, um, but people seem to really love it. What is it about this play? Well, we, 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 I have been talking about it with my cast, and I think it's because it's just, I mean, if even if people know the story, it's just seeing how the characters are portrayed by each of the different uh, set of actors. I mean, mm -hmm. like you mentioned that the actors get changed every year. Um, and, and, and I think it's like, it just, they just want to see a new take on, on how, how the, how the play is done. And, you know, mm. um, I guess, I, I guess even if it's set in the fifties, I mean, I guess there's, oh, there will always come a couple of modern twists uh, under ways. Um, if, I mean, if you'd ask my opinion, if, I mean, if I've lived in the UK, I'd probably also watch it a couple of times because it, because it is an enjoyable thing. And, you know, it, it is like, it's just like reliving it and seeing like, does it do the same for me again? Mm. Um I think that's what makes it a fun ride. Yeah. Um, and I think that's why people keep coming back. It's like the Phantom of the Opera. I mean, I've seen it like four times. <laughs> I, I still want to watch it again. Right. I, I guess it's the same thing. <laughs> when you enjoy it. Yeah. And I think I think you're right about the characters in the sense that each character is such an archetype. Um, there is something really like, I don't want to say over the top about each character, but they like are really a character, you know, and to see how different people would play them with maybe some subtlety, with maybe a little bit more drama, however they choose to play them could be really interesting and fun, I think. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, when, um, when I was reading up on the, on the history of the mousetrap, um, that Richard Attenborough was in, I was just like, I was just like, wait, Jurassic Park dude was in it. <laughs> like my first reaction, like I, I have a hard time seeing that. But then again, he was in the Rex Harrison film, Dr. Doolittle, where he was singing and dancing and just like, wait, that's Jurassic Park dude. <laughs> I know people, that's the thing about actors, right? They, they can be so many people. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. But I, I think for me also in rereading the play and I've, I've only seen it once many years ago, um, but in rereading it, I was struck by how many of Christie's elements it really brings in. And I think the same reason people keep rereading her books is the same reason they would want to continue seeing The Mousetrap. There's a lot of comfort in a play like The Mousetrap. You have the Monkswell Manor setting. You have the blizzard. Everyone's kept inside. It's a closed space. Um, you have all these kind of character archetypes. You have the kind of little romance of this couple who's just starting out. And I just think there's a lot of elements of it that people would find really comforting in the same way they would find any Christie mystery comforting. Yeah, and I mean, if if uh, basing on the the different movies that I've I've, I've seen of Agatha Christie, I mm -hmm. mean, it's always the whoever's going to solve the case always like locks people in, and it's always yeah. some deserted place. And you know, it it, it there there you you tend to see some patterns, but but I mean. I guess that's also what's fun about these patterns. It's because it's like it, it, it that's what keeps you guessing as to who, who the killer is. I mean, yeah. like with Murder on the Orient Express, I mean, the first time I saw it, I was like blown away. I was like, okay, I did not see that coming right. at all. Well, that's a real shock ending. And there's really no yeah. way to guess that that's what's going to happen. Um, yeah, exactly. 
And whereas I think, I mean, you were saying you kind of like figuring out the puzzles um, with the mysteries. I've never been a particularly puzzle driven mystery fan. Like I just like the atmosphere and the characters and all these things. But I know there are lots of people who love the puzzles. And I do think once you know the twist ending of the mousetrap, you can track it backwards. Um, so you could potentially have guessed, but I don't think it's necessarily um, an obvious one at all. It's quite a hard one to guess. Yeah, and I mean, with with like, let's just take the the new uh, Poirot film, uh, Haunting in Venice. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guessed who the killer was halfway, and I was like, hundred percent sure, and I was, and I got it right. And that's because I think after working with the whole Agatha Christie thing, I started seeing the patterns again oh. all throughout the film. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's I haven't seen it yet, so I don't know, but it's I don't think it's I think it's kind of a, an amalgamation of some different books. Um, so it's not exactly based on just one specific one. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. that's it's great that there's like a, a a whodunit element that you can actually puzzle out, which is which is very fun, I think, for for watchers. Um, have you read the short story that um, the mousetrap is based on, Three Blind Mice? No, I actually haven't. Okay, I would recommend reading it too. It's um, I I went back and read it as well, and um, because I, when I was reading it, I was going, I, I'm really sure I've read this in another form. And I realized then when I was doing the research that obviously it ha- was in this short story form. And it's it's quite a lovely short story as well. But I do mm-hmm. prefer the play. And I think the reason I prefer the play is because um, Christy, as a playwright, does like, such a great job of setting the scene um, in terms of like how people move around the stage and like mm. the location that they're in. So I thought it was really great to read it in that way. And, um, okay, well, yeah. I'll, I'll make a note of that. <laughs> now, 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 now you piqued my interest. I've piqued your, oh good, I'm glad. Um, so in a previous episode, we spoke with an opera composer named Matthias Vestergaard and he shared that there are mm-hmm. not typically mystery operas because it's hard to get the intricacies of the narrative across when people are singing as opposed to speaking. Um, Mm -hmm. obviously that's not necessarily the case in a play, but I'd imagine that you still need to like hold audience attention in order to make a mystery work. What are some key elements in regards to staging a mystery in order to keep the suspense going that you have found while directing this play? That would bring me back to my previous quote. It's all about the breadcrumbs. Mm. It's all about, um, like finding like making sure that there's a continuous thread throughout the whole um, play or throughout the whole mystery process, making sure that there are no loose ends, especially like I've been saying to the cast, remember your emphasis and exits, Mm. remember where you're supposed to stand because if you don't, that's going to give it away. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's stuff like, it's stuff like that, that I've been, we've been playing a lot with. And then also how we again how we speak the volume the accents mm-hmm. the how much emotions you put in i mean everything has to be perfectly well balanced and that's and that's what i think is really marvelous with agatha christ with agatha christie's work is that it is really balanced but mm. um but then again it, it it if putting up a murder mystery like i said it's either you make it or you break it i mean the you can give too much or you can give too little. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. And I think um, that the dialogue, the dialogue is really essential in itself. And, uh, and uh, compared to um, <laughs> singing opera, I mean, I think it would, you would lose uh, everything if you tried to do like a murder mystery on yeah. stage. I would like to see it tried, of course. Um, I, I, I do agree that it might be too, too difficult. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's like, it's, it's really like being clear on your vision um, making sure that you have a mantra like I have, like I've had throughout the whole rehearsal mm -hmm. process, making sure that your cast has good teamwork um, good community spirit, because that's, I think that's a way to like also so that they can like help each other throughout mm -hmm. the whole uh, process. Mm -hmm. um, also, because I mean, like the mousetrap in itself, it has so many words and a lot of words, which even I do not understand so that we've even like had to make a glossary of the, of the words for our programs, because I would, I would say that I think a lot of people would probably be find it difficult to understand like ration books I mean I thought they were they were cookbooks but apparently it means something else yeah like, ah, okay I didn't okay I did not see that coming um but yeah I mean to keep the suspense going it's figuring out the breadcrumbs figuring out the mood figuring out mm -hmm. the atmosphere and, and, and uh, in the initial kind of when you're initially getting the play started were there times where you felt like you you kind of went in the direction and then had to pivot because it wasn't working in terms of the mystery? Um, I would say that I mean, if I if, I think it would be easier to like describe how my rehearsal process has been. Sure, um, go ahead. Well, we started with um, that um, after I cast them, I gave them all their scripts and I, and I asked them to. Um, to like think about their characters, write stuff down, everything from, from A to Z of body language, all these elements that I'm looking for. And then we had like character development sessions. We had team building sessions and to get them into place. And then throughout the whole rehearsal process, I mean, the, I mean, the, the play in itself, it has a lot of stage directions. I've had to change some of it because it like, it did not make sense with what I was thinking of in my head. So yes, I would have to say at at some points where we would reach we would reach a point. I would say like okay, let's let let's turn right now because I, we can't keep on going straight ahead. I mean, we can't take it word for word. We have to change it up a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, there are. I mean, there are a lot of stage directions in the play. Yeah. Um, and is that, as a director, is that usually helpful or is that something that kind of you feel hems you in a bit? Um, I'd, I'd say both. I mean, it's nice to have, I mean, it's, it's nice to have stage directions to like make the process easier. Mm -hmm. um, and then it, and then you can modify it from there. I mean, right. one of the, one of the great things with the script is that it, it even has a lighting plan. It yes, even it does. Set, <laughs> yeah. It has a set design. I'm just like, this is something I have never tried before where everything is practically served to me. Right. And I see why it's served. It's because it's to keep all the elements in place. Because if you start changing things up, then you start losing that thread that's going throughout the whole story. Mm -hmm. So, and then that's one of the things that I think also my cast was having a hard time with because they've mm -hmm. been so focused with their characters, their lines, they for totally forgot about the stage directions. Yeah. I'm like, I, I, I know I'm going to modify it, but start figuring out so where is the sofa where is the the large armchair and this and that because mm. the, it's important that you get those things right yeah um that's so interesting because when i was reading it i was thinking to myself gosh this is a lot of stage direction for a play um and it never occurred to me as you're saying right now what you you need it for the tightness of the mystery that's actually mm. what it's all hinging on. And that is such a great point. And I'm sure as a director, that just came home to you again and again while you were staging it. Yeah. I mean, even um, even um, 
like like when we were when we started rehearsing act two after the summer break i mean there were some parts that even during act one just like why is it they're going through here again why is it they're sitting down here and then in act two ah that's why now now it makes sense right so so it's it, it that's why they've been written in and that's why the whole design is there it is because of to keep the tightness of the play yeah um to its key. Yeah. Totally. So the mousetrap doesn't have, you know, either of Christie's great detective detectives, Poirot or Marple. Um, and she often removed Poirot from stagings of her plays uh, when she kind of did play versions of her Poirot books because she felt that he would draw too much attention on the stage. Um, do you think the play could have been like harmed or benefited from a character like Poirot? And do you think, or, and like, what do you think of Christie's reasoning for removing him? I mean, I do, I do, I do see the, I do see the point because mm -hmm. I mean, it's, I mean, judging from the Miss Marple movies and, and, and TV series as well as the Poirot, I mean, you're always focused on him. You're always yeah. focused on like him and, and, and then everything else is like a, a nice to have. So I do get it. I mean, um, one of the other Agatha Christie um, movies that I've always liked is also Death on the Nile. And then I found out that it was, you know, based on Murder on the Nile, um, the play. Um, which is based on Death on the Nile, the movie. And no, I mean the book, sorry. Um, and the Murder on the Nile play didn't even have Poirot in That's it. That's right, I'm just yeah. like, why? It doesn't make sense. But then after I read it, I'm like, ah, okay, now it makes sense. Mm. So, so yeah, I mean, I, I, I actually do agree with her reasoning. It will it will um, take, take the attention away. I mean, I think it's the same thing with all these, like, Disney reboots of movies. I mean, if you take, like, Mary Poppins Returns, I know... Julie Andrews was asked to do a cameo, but she said no because it would take take the attention away from Emily Blunt playing the new Mary Poppins. Aww, so I so nice. I kind of I kind of get it. Yeah. Um, and it's 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 the same thing with I mean with a lot of the other Disney reboots. I mean, like in the Little Mermaid. I mean, even the one who voiced Ariel. I mean, she was there just for a little bit, but she didn't want any more because it is the whole thing about not taking the attention away from the. From the main person otherwise there will always be a comparison so mm, yeah that's interesting so you don't feel like the mouse trap could have for example benefited from a poirot type character no because you know what sometimes you just need normal people poirot <laughs> yeah. was normal i mean no, poirot, poirot he was like I as mean, far away from normal as you can possibly be yeah with i mean love. poirot <laughs> Exactly. I mean, Poirot is a, I mean, sorry to say, Poirot is egotistical and he doesn't, and I, I describe him almost as um, having obsessive compulsive disorder. That's why he, he, uh, he fits um, um, being a detective because I mean, everything, as he says, it, this is the best Belgian accent I can do. Everything has to make sense. That that's the best I <laughs> that can was do. Pretty but I mean, good. <laughs> everything has to fall in everything has to fall into place. If there's yeah. asymmetry, something's wrong. Yeah. Right? And and if you had someone like that in the mousetrap, I mean, then you'd be focused on that. That's true. Because that that's what that's what we liked with the Poirot movie. That's what we liked with the Miss Marple movies. It is how they saw they solved the murder mystery. Mm. And and with the mousetrap, it just totally turned it around. And yeah, this is where I'm not going to say anymore because then there's going to be too much spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't spoil it. But no, I, I completely agree with you. I think one of the great joys of the mousetrap is it's kind of normalcy. You're kind of, you know, there's an, an extraordinary situation happening in quite a normal setting uh, to these fairly mm. normal type characters. Um, I completely agree with you. Of, of this play, what was the most difficult scene to stage? It... I would say it was the scene when all of them were on stage at the same time. Uh -huh. 
because I've had I've I've had to like watch each and every one of them, and you know, my I only have a, a pair of eyes. I'm watching eight <laughs> people on stage and watching how much they give away or how less they give away, listening to them at the same time, and making sure that the whole balance. I think those were the most difficult scenes mm. um, to to stage. Um, the it. most I, I, I wouldn't say that it was discouraging but I mean it was to the point where I was really like pulling my hair I'm like <laughs> this has to work this has to work but yeah. you know the more we do it the more and the more people settle into the roles and the more it starts falling into place I mean like we had we had rehearsals yesterday and it everything just paid off I mean I was just so happy to see that everyone was really settling into the roles and and the thing is I could like already compared to last week's rehearsal I saw that they've already built like a level more and that's what I they know that's what I'm looking for yeah. I mean more 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 because the more that they are their roles on stage then then the more that the audience will be awed and, and wowed away yeah and take into that place right yeah that's so exciting it must be really really rewarding as a director to have those kind of next level moments Mm -hmm. so and what is the most fun scene to stage in this play i would have to say it's the over over the top character mr paravicini <laughs> he is so over the top yeah and you know it's it's like i call him comic relief he is and, comic relief and, yeah and and the person that i cast in that role his name is rudy he's american mm -hmm. and um, we were like we've been talking back and forth about like what should his accent be? And, you know, at some point, I mean, during the read-through, I mean, I, like I said to Rudy, I don't mind that your, your breadcrumb uh, dropping is, is your accent, but please decide what kind of accent you're trying to drop. <laughs> because I heard, like, Arabic, Chinese, and everything. Like, please try to, like, stick to maybe just two or three. <laughs> okay. um, yeah, and then, of course, we, we, we were doing, like, costume and, and uh, makeup tests, and he... I don't know. At some point, I I was looking and I'm like, "You remind me of Inspector Clouseau. I like this. I like this. We'll we'll go along with this." Yeah. And um, but I mean, his scenes are are for me like the the most absolute fun. That's um, so great because you know it's like it 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 makes people laugh. Um, but this is all in Act One. In Act Two, this is not how it is anymore. That's when the mood changes. Like, yes, changes totally. It is a it is a big tone shift. Um, so. And, and in terms of the tone, it's so much of it has to do with this, the location, but also the snow, um, the fact that they're snowed in. And I, I love how Christy does settings in her books and also obviously in this play. How do you evoke that kind of this, the setting of Monksville Manor and the feeling of being snowed in on the stage? Um, well, we have, um, of course, aside from the dialogue and their emphasis on it and they're like coming inside from the cold and how they move and how they feel but at the same mm -hmm. time we're incorporating um lighting um um sound effects and of course our lovely smoke machine to give us the mist and the, my my <laughs> set designer we, we were because there's this set the, the setup is like you have a window and that this is because the window gets used a lot uh, during the whole play but so we've also been looking like can you like put a tree there can you like put some some like snow residues uh on it but i mean we're relying heavily also on people's imagination because like i keep on saying to everyone i mean you don't have to like see everything sometimes it's also good to have the imagination then you just need a couple of elements and that's like sound effects and lighting to, mm -hmm. to help us along the way yeah so this podcast has focused a lot 
actually exclusively except for this episode on Christie's books. Um, but I really enjoyed reading this play and getting to think about her as a playwright. Um, why do you think that we should keep reading her plays as part of this podcast? What do plays offer that books maybe don't offer? I would, I would say, I mean, if we just take the mousetrap alone and we were talking about this whole thing with stage directions, I think it gives you like an idea of how people move. Mm -hmm. um, it, I think it builds a bigger vision. And I mean, one of the fun things that I thought about this was like, when I was reading the script is just like with the stage and I was even like drawing a map of stuff, like just to see what was happening mm. and like how people would be moving. And I think like it just builds the imagination more. I'd say books have the same, books have the same effect, but I mean, the, the books tell a story and the plays are meant to like give you something even more visual compared to books. Mm -hmm. um, books can take you so many ways, but I mean, a play is more like, I think it's more like straightforward um, with mm -hmm. how it's built and especially with, with the mousetrap. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I agree. And I also think that, um, I mean, obviously it's playwriting is a totally different form of writing, but you can s see with Christy, one of the things she's so good at in her books and particularly in her short stories, which are very short is creating kind of location setting and characterization in like a sentence, very short strokes. And, she does that in the plays as well, but even more so because you're really only able to do that through dialogue and movement. Um, mm -hmm. So I was just kind of blown away to see, like you could, especially having read the short story, see how she made that into an entirely dialogue-based, um, you know, piece of art, um, and still had all the same, like evoked the same emotions, had the same effect. Uh, it's it's a it was really incredible to to see that transition and I really enjoyed it. Okay, well now now you really sold me on it. I have to read three blind mice then. Um, you should. Yeah, but you know I yeah. think even if you don't, you know, it's not like I don't think you need to read the story in order to understand the play better or anything like that. But I just think as no, two, no, but I mean, I yeah. mean, it's just like like especially how you described it, like that whole comparison of mm. how. How you, how you changed into more into dialogue because I mean the thing is I mean with 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 novels I mean you can always describe like he he said it this gruntedly right I mean with with plays you don't see that you have to play that out for yourself you have to figure that out and that's one of the things we like we've also been working on is like like how long do you, can you stretch words I mean you can't do that with novels but you can do that with plays um, and I mean I have read. Um, I mean, murder on the murder on the Nile and death on the Nile, the the book, mm -hmm. and I can also see the diff the, the differences in it. I mean, the elements are still there, but I mean, it 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 does offer another take on it. And and the thing is, with 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 play with plays, I mean, it's like it's also open to interpretation yes. compared to the novels, right? Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it was a great experience. And thank you for reminding me, really, that I enjoy reading her her as a playwright, not just as a novelist and a short story writer. So um, that was a really just a fun experience. I really enjoyed reading The Mousetrap and, and getting to think about what it would be like for you as a director to be staging this. And I'm super excited to see the play when it comes out in a couple of weeks. Yeah. I mean, the, the pressure is on from us, but you know, that's... <laughs> do, you, do you feel a lot of pressure or is it feeling just like it's kind of building to the right place? 
I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I don't feel pressured with, with the actors. I mean, with them, I mean, after, from what I saw yesterday, like I said, them, you can practically put your costumes on and you're on stage, you'll be fine. <laughs> Amazing. Um, and, but I mean, there's always the aspects of the production yeah. uh, that, 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 you know, that, that need to fall into place. And, you know, I think it's also nerves um, also from my part as a director, because, you know, you also, you all, because it has been one of the, um, the 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 place that has run the the longest in the west and, and is now opening on broadway at the same time so you know there 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 is a little bit of of pressure that i feel it's also because I, I i want it's not for like i said it's not for my sake i just want everyone to have a good experience and uh, i think that's that's where that's where the pressure lies yeah lies uh, lies for me uh, well, yeah. I think this is, I mean, based on your clear passion and understanding of the play, but also this is the kind of play that is meant to make people feel good and enjoy themselves. And it, it's got that kind of built into it in terms of its structure. So I think, I think it will be fantastic and I'm super excited to see it. Yeah. Cool. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here, Christian. I really appreciate it. And I hope you had a good time talking about Agatha Christie. Yeah, I mean, it was great. It was really great getting an insight into like the three blind mice because like, what did I not come even more prepared? But never mind. <laughs> <laughs> but also like learning about this whole podcast because I mean, it, it came as a total surprise to me. And so I'm, I'm, I'm really happy to be on it. I've actually been listening to some of your other episodes. So Aww. just to give you an idea how, <laughs> how it is. But you know, it's like um, anything, like I said, anything that's, that, that's murder mystery on stage, I'm all in. I totally agree with you. And, um, and yeah, let me know about all the other murder mysteries that are going to be staged because I would love to see anything that's coming out. Yeah. Well, yeah. thank you. You again. never know. You yeah, never exactly. Know. <laughs> thank you again for being here, Christian. I really appreciate it. And um, where can people find, would you like the people to find you and where can you be found if so? I like, are we talking about me or the, or the group or both? Or we, both. If, we talking we're talking about both. If you want to share a little bit more about like where people can find Copenhagen theater circle, that would be great. And then also if you have like personal, you know, website or social media or anything like that. Okay. Well, um, we, our website is www.ctcircle.dk. Great. So you can find a lot about the mousetrap and then our actually our next production, which is around the world in 80 days. <gasps> Ooh, fun. And, Another classic yeah. coming up, yeah. Um, and then we are also on Facebook, uh, Copenhagen Theatre Circle, and on Instagram, CD Circle EK. Fantastic. Uh, we always have a lot of updates. You can also sign up for a newsletter and such. And and we are going to, the cast and ourselves, the production team, we're also going to be at International Citizens Day on Saturday. Oh, so fantastic. if people are listening to this... Um, um, <laughs> are going to be there then come and say hi and this will probably come out a little bit after that but uh oh, okay <laughs> but yeah but it's good to know that you're there that's a great event to attend yeah um, um, but yeah i mean um the and and if you want i mean the 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 play readings that we have and as well as our open stages these are not exclusive to members. These are open to the public. So that's fantastic. Come, yeah, come we, we it's also a good way to network. It is. We always have your events on. Um, I run a website called Scandinavia Standard, and we always have your events on our calendar. Um, and, oh, they're, cool. and they're very popular. So that's fantastic. Um, so we will put all of that in the episode notes if people want to learn more about Copenhagen Theater Circle, especially for um, English speaking people in Copenhagen. It is a great way mm -hmm. to enjoy English theater and to meet other English-speaking people if that's what you want to do. And also just to enjoy theater, take your kids, 
Um, there's always great locations like where they're staging the production. So it's really fun. Yeah. Um, thank you again for being here, Christian. And I really appreciate it. And I hope you have a great night. You too. Okay, thank you very thanks. much. Bye. Bye. Thank you to our producer, Kate Grishel, and our sound engineer, Winter Robinson. To stay up to date and get some extra fun info, you can follow us on Instagram at TNMurder. Rating and reviewing us really helps, so please do that if you feel so inclined. We're on all your favorite podcast platforms. Remember to follow us there and recommend us to anyone you think might need a little tea and or murder in their lives. Are you ready for Agatha Christie's astrological chart? I am. Next book in the club is The Pale Horse. Rent it from your local library, buy from your local independent bookstore, or if you need to buy online, we recommend bookshop.org, which supports independent bookstores with every purchase. A link for next episode's book can be found in the episode notes. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Tea and Murder. We'll be back in two weeks. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.